This is the Dreadful Podcast from TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Lovecraft Country, Season 1, Episode 2, Whitey's on the Moon. Who they make you see? Doesn't matter. They're just trying to get inside our heads. Something happened in the war. Something bad. Don't. You know who you are. You were a good boy. And you even a better man. Don't you ever let them make you question yourself. That's how they win. They want to make us crazy. Terrorize us. Make us scared. But Leticia fucking Lewis don't get scared, do she? No, sir. Welcome back, fellow Dreadfuls, to episode two of Lovecraft Country, Whitey's on the Moon. This is the Dreadful Podcast, and this is TV Podcast Industries, and I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and yes, Whitey's on the Moon, or Whitney's on the Moon, as our screener had it named. (laughs) I was really missing the point of the episode there, wasn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was strange. All of a sudden it was like, oh no, did we quote that right in the last uh, podcast that we had done? But <laughs> no, nonetheless, it is definitely Whitey's On The Moon, the title for episode two. Yep, from the Gil Scott Heron song uh, that plays out towards the end of the episode. So Yeah, really, uh, really interesting song um, about... Uh, it kind of seems to me the struggles of people, um, particularly black people, despite uh, the country that they live in, mm-hmm. having put uh, men on the moon yep. um, and the cost of that. Yet people cannot pay for uh, health insurance yep. and, and stuff like that. Food so, and, yeah. yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting um, idea for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, uh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice choice, I think. Definitely, definitely. Uh, this is going to be our spoiler-filled discussion about episode two of Lovecraft Country. If you haven't seen the episode, pop on over to HBO Max or HBO Go. Uh, watch the episode there or watch it over on Sky Atlantic. Uh, they have it available there on their on-demand platform as well. Uh, definitely watch it. This is, I don't know how to say this in, in the best of ways. This is an entire movie squeezed into an hour. This It so really much, is. So or much. it's an entire series of a TV show uh, squeezed into a single episode, yeah. uh, for sure. I was thinking, like, you know, if you were cutting it into ab breaks, like, every 15 minutes, you could probably stretch to an hour. You know, there's so many ideas, so many concepts going on, and so many things that... And just so much are, action. Yeah, I so think, many things yeah. you think are going to spread across the full season. They're just dealt with, you know, lickety split, as they'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, before we get into our spoiler-filled discussion, though, remember, fellow Dreadfuls, 
Uh, you can support us any way you feel, uh, because supporting the podcast is, of course, supporting the love. You can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com, mm-hmm. subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, rate us, and that would be absolutely great. Or if you want to support uh, the podcast uh, through Patreon, you can do that through patreon.com forward slash tvpodcastindustries. Uh, and of course, uh, we're there as well. But uh, any support is very, very much appreciated. Absolutely. And if you want to send in any thoughts to us about about Lovecraft Country, about the season, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts. You can also go over to our website, as John mentioned, tvpodcastindustries.com, and leave us a voicemail with up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about the episode. Or should record an MP3 and email it to us at the email address as well. It would be remiss of us before we get into Lovecraft Country to not mention that this weekend the cancellation came in for Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Uh, we covered Penny Dreadful all of the full season uh, on this very podcast and uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels we just covered at the start of this year. But uh, the official announcement came, came in from Showtime that uh, we will not be getting a season two of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. A sad decision there, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, John Logan is certainly one of those writers, mm-hmm. certainly from the original Penny Dreadful season one, uh, two and three. And um, that definitely looks to build the storyline yeah. and, and you could really see uh, the, the tee ups for season two here. Mm-hmm. And in fact, almost season one was this introduction to that world, to those conflicts and battles yeah. um, between uh, race, uh, country and family. Um, yeah. So really uh, interesting concept. Yeah. Um, but sadly, one maybe that just didn't um, take off. And certainly, I suppose, with lockdown, where maybe more people were watching, possibly that factored into it. But unfortunately, yeah, we will not be getting a season two yeah. um, of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Yeah. So yeah. Um, certainly uh, a sad day there for sure. Absolutely. It's a really delicate balance, isn't it, for a, for a showrunner? Um, because the intention would be always to go, right, we're going to set up going to do the best we can for season one and going to set up stuff for season two. It did, it did seem like the first season, which we did really enjoy, was absolutely there to set up a series like season two and season three uh, that were, I'm sure, intended. There was a massive uh, a massive payout from LA to move the show there. So um, it felt like a foregone conclusion that the show was going to get a season two, especially with how, how the show was written. So a real shame uh, to lose that as one of the shows we're covering. But as we said, uh, Dreadful Podcast is now the home of our sci-fi and horror podcasts and lovecraft country is has been fantastic so um good start to our new horror podcast and hopefully uh, yeah absolutely definitely but without further ado let us get on to whitey's on the moon Mm -hmm. which is episode two of lovecraft country derek what are some of the details for this episode yep the entire series as we mentioned before is based on the novel by matt ruff check that out it's uh, it's very similar in tone it's not uh, it's it's been adapted very well uh, to the screen for uh, for the this show Uh, but the episode itself was written once again the teleplay written by showrunner misha green um, and directed by daniel sackheim Uh, daniel's a director from the 90s gone back doing many many series from great credits including uh, two episodes of Damon Lindelof's The Leftovers three episodes of the first season of Jack Ryan the good season of Jack Ryan yes uh, and an episode of Walking Dead Fear the Walking Dead two episodes of Game of Thrones two episodes of Ozark John and 
And these are all for you because I know you liked all <laughs> these shows. He also directed five episodes of the original and much better run of X, uh, uh, X-Files. X-Files. I do. It. I mean, I so wish I uh, was podcasting back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, back then as well, it was on BBC Two in the UK. Yeah. And it was probably about a year uh, out of date compared yeah. to the US before all this sort of alignment of releases globally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we came to it very late, but uh, loved X-Files. Um, such a good show. Yeah. So only the first three seasons, it also got a little bit sort of convoluted and a bit, uh, dare I say it, out there, Mulder. Mm-hmm. Um, but for <laughs> sure, uh, loved X-Files. What a great, great show. Um, so yeah, and Fergie's to the director here, as we said, for bringing about coherence and and it not feeling jam packed this episode, mm. even though it had so much going on. So really good, and of course to the the writer and showrunner Misha Green for for being able to create that kind of episode that has so much but is so coherent and moves on um, the whole story uh, as you would expect from the first episode. Which, of course, is what writing does. Uh, I know I'm <laughs> exactly. stating the obvious there, but yeah, it's exactly. it's it's a difficult balance to get. Yeah. You get quantity and quality in there. And that was done in spades mm-hmm. by both the director and writer for this uh, episode. Absolutely. As we mentioned earlier on, it did feel like so much was in here that I thought about 20 minutes in, I, I paused the episode going... Are we at the end? Because there seems like a massive cliffhanger. But no, it was just moving on to the next act. So, John, do you want to tell us overall what they gave us with the synopsis from HBO? Sure. Inexplicably recovered from the terrifying night, Letitia and George luxuriate in their new surroundings. While Ascus grows suspicious of their Autumn Lodge hosts, Christina Braithwaite and her elusive father, Samuel who unveil cryptic plans for Atticus's role in their upcoming Sons of Adam ceremony. Later, after Tick, Letitia and George stumble upon a clue that could lead them to Montrose, each takes an unwelcome walk down memory lane. I think the Grand Lodge as well also takes a huge um, sort of unwelcome walk down memory lane as well uh, with its destruction by the end of uh, this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we, we hear in this episode as well that it also was rebuilt from another devastating uh, event, which was a, a big fire back in, what, the 19th century. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there was some really interesting stuff going on uh, in this episode, some stuff that um, I wonder whether the earlier scenes are meant to make you question whether any of it is real uh, by the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm sure I will definitely be talking about that at my point uh, as I go into it later on. But can we quickly just talk about that wonderful opening for the episode? The the Jeffersons kind of referencing this. The Jeffersons was a 70s TV show all about uh, a couple that get wealthy and move to the East East Village, I think it is, in New York. So they're, they're moving on up effectively. Yes. They've moved to an area where at the time uh, it would have been very difficult for families to, for, for black families to live in that area because it was a completely white area. This is exactly what's happening at the beginning of the episode we see Letitia and George going into their rooms getting f- filled up with their dreams effectively you've got Letitia having a closet ward- whole wardrobe you have Letitia with a whole wardrobe full of clothes that fit her like a glove you've got George sitting in a room with a library of every one of his favorite books all to this theme from the Jeffersons the uh, moving on up which just think is it's so joyous as a moment and then you know as it cuts to Atticus you know he knows something's wrong here. It's a really good scene. Definitely. Uh, and I think that brings me on to my kind of main point here, because yes, 
despite everything looking sort of uh, rosy, uh, there is an underlying current uh, here at the the Autumn Lodge here, mm-hmm. um, and part of that is you know soon after they have woken up, they are given a tour uh, of the surroundings by and and the lodge by creepy butler or. Uh, brother William Braithwaite. Mm-hmm. I, I just may it may not actually be a Braithwaite, but certainly he has the blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, slightly Teutonic look about him that would say uh, he's not fallen far from the apple tree in, well, I, in that sense. I really hope he's not a Braithwaite because we do hear that he's a boy and a friend of Christina, uh, suggesting that he is not a member of their family. I hope, <laughs> but he's definitely not a butler either. Well, uh, no, that's true. Very yeah. close personal friend is his description. But he. He's almost like a valet for uh-huh. sure. He's he's certainly organizing, making sure everyone's in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But he he gives George, Letitia, and Atticus this tour of the lodge, and you know there is this picture of Titus Braithwaite, the mm. founder of this lodge, looking a little clanny with the hood, although not in white. Um, and what we do here. Uh, here is that he made his fortune from shipping uh, and i do like Letitia's little whisper to george in his ear saying this is this is code for slavery uh-huh. this is white code for slavery and then we we hear of this moment um that he was also kind to his employees as well again another code for slavery but i think this is this is kind of important because at at the time um this is happening it is more just the the general feeling by Atticus is when have white people kept black people in their house, in their home, on their property, yeah. uh, rather than trying to get rid of them off it for, you know, within the first second of, of uh, meeting them. Mm-hmm. And so this is all very weird to them. Uh, and and there is uh, an idea that they are being held here against their will, which they act, they are as as we move through this. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, magic in- involved uh, yeah. in this episode with spells, sort of retaining spells, keeping them in their rooms. There is the moment where they do try to escape, and um, you know th- those classic North American covered wooden bridges where they- it feels like they're going to cross the county line, and there is another sort of restraining field of magic uh, with that symbol that glows. Uh, that stops the car uh, uh, crunching it up. Oh, that car crash is so cool. It's, it's really well done. It's just that invisible it? barrier. You're trying to work out how it's done. Is it done with CGI? Did they crash a car and remove a green screen uh, that they crashed into or something? Is it something like that? But it just looks so cool. It is. And it's yeah. so unexpected. The, the way it comes at that moment, uh, so unexpected that it's about to happen. Yeah. Exactly. And But all, all these things that William has, has provided to uh, the, the three uh, all come back with George. Um, he, he has this recollection in the woods. Again, we, we get the um, return of the Shoggoths. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before that, the, there's almost this recollection that George has about a, a relative, you know, a, a distant relative named Hannah. Um, and that this is part of the reason why uh, Montrose has actually been used then as bait to bring Atticus. Technically, I think Letitia and George really shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and it is Atticus that they're after because um, this order of the ancient dawn, the Sons of Adam, founded by Titus Braithwaite, mm-hmm. he, his heirs include Atticus. And it, yes. it seems that um, he had brought into his employee, into the lodge, um, Hannah, which was 
uh, is one of Atticus's long lost relatives. Mm -hmm. And so Atticus has the blood of Braithwaite in him, Titus Braithwaite yeah. in him. I and love, yeah, George's realization that that's what that all means. That yeah. He's known to be very friendly and very, and, <laughs> yeah. and treats his staff really well. Oh, that means he got one of the slaves pregnant. Um, yes, you know, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, a really interesting revelation here. I love how George is kind of piecing it all together. You know, this idea that he had a conversation once with Atticus's mother and she told him about uh, the fact that her uh, one of her ancestors was a slave and had escaped from the from the lodge but she told George about it but didn't tell Atticus and his father Montrose about it because she was embarrassed of that being a part of her history effectively so but it comes back to George and I think it works really well in the episode itself probably because they have uh, pieces of their of their mind and their memories being taken out by this spell that's being put on them it feels totally understandable that some other piece of memory might come back to george in a, in a moment when they're being attacked by the shoggoths you know this opening section of the episode where we where we find out that both letty and george don't remember anything of that shoggoth attack it's only atticus that remembers because they have a spell on them uh, blocking the attack from their memory, you know? Yeah. Um, and I then the hilarious scene where Atticus tells, tells, um, Christina to remove the spell and you just hear the screams <laughs> from both rooms. It is as really, they realize what's really happened. good. Really exactly. perfect timing. Great, yeah. Great comic coming. Definitely really good timing. What do you think about the use of, of all the spells in here? I must just quickly before I ask you the answer to that, but I loved Atticus's uh, line about, oh, the clan have moved from just being grand wizards to being actual wizards now. This <laughs> is a really good laugh. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and you get that moment with Christina where um, she says, my father would never fraternize with the clan. They're too poor. Mm -hmm. But yes. ultimately, the sons of Adam are very, very white. They are very, very male. And they are very, very middle to old age yeah. as well. And this is, in a sense, the clan in all but name. Well, uh, yeah. In a sense, yeah. um, you know, you have this really interesting moment where there is a guy um, being having his liver or kidney extracted on the table. And, you know, Ascus is brought in here and it's all fairly um plays quite uh on the level uh, and in the end we we realize that this is samuel and um, having his liver or or kidney taken out i suppose it must be his kidney because you can survive with one kidney yeah. uh yeah. he would be pretty um knackered if uh, he just had his liver taken out he certainly wouldn't be drinking any wine at dinner but then the magic of um of this family suggests that he could grow it back or, or something would happen yeah because uh, and, and we, we we have this moment where he you know is talking about this painting on the wall um he says by an artist called Tannhauser um, and it's this painting of uh, the garden of eden and it's all about how adam was involved in creation setting the order uh, putting as Ascus says putting everything in its place mm. that hierarchy yeah. um and you know, the, the, the suggestion is, is that then that, that evil mistress Eve came and spoiled everything and everyone went into their tribes, their races, their, um, their countries. And, and it, it, it basically blew up the whole concept of the Garden of Eden, this order, this structure, this hierarchy, uh, and, and the, I suppose the peace that they see comes with with that and yeah. um it, uh, and as usual there you know the the blame that's in this story is to eve eve comes along and she's exactly. the one that blew it up she's the one that ruined it that's why women aren't aren't in their organization it's adam was involved in creation it's not that he was 
the first created and Eve was the second created. As most people would think from Bible stories, this is the idea that Adam was all, not an equal of God, but was a a co-creator, co-creator almost with, with God. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, even but, to the point where uh, he uses his rib to form Eve. Exactly, um, and yeah. that, that sense of why Samuel in this moment is giving of his kidney yeah. uh, or or liver, whatever it yeah. may be. But I do love that Christina calls that out as well, this idea of anybody who takes uh, any kind of literal stories from those tales from the Bible, there's something wrong with them. Surely all the people in this room are smart enough to know those are just tales and stories to inspire us. They aren't real stories. They aren't anything true and gives her father a bit of a look. But uh, but you can tell from his response to her that he's not happy that this would be her impression. We do hear later on that that is actually Samuel's impression. He says he's not a zealot. He said he doesn't believe in any of this stuff. His belief goes far enough in the fact that these people believe there is magic in the words. These people that are members of this group, they all believe there are magic in the words. As long as they believe and as long as they put the money in, as long as they put the support in, well, then he's also going to speak through scriptures yeah he says he's not a zealot basically and and coming back to your point i really like the magic here i think um it was another thing that elevated or accelerated really quickly Mm -hmm. i wasn't expecting them to to see these this these power this forces of, of magic these restraining fields there's a lot of spinning you around 50 times and seeing whether you can find the door in this episode as uh-huh. to what's real and what's not so i mean you have all these dreamlike sequences after um the three have come back from the the village trying yeah. to find out if montrose is maybe um held prisoner in in the village and um you know, they're all visited by different people, maybe that they want to see. And, you know, so there's some idea that they have a connection or they can connect with these people. Mm-hmm. Ascus is visited by a Korean woman soldier that he has to kill because she's attacking him. Yeah. Uh, George by his ex-wife or his former wife who's died. Yeah. And um, he is the one that knows this it isn't reality, but mm. he goes along with it just for those few extra moments with his former wife who's passed away. Yeah. And then you have Letitia who's, who's visited by Atticus and, um, and things get relatively uh, ramped up and steamy very quickly yeah. here. This, this idea of the, you know, the, the so far, the unspoken love to Atticus by Letitia. Mm-hmm. So, um, you did get your, your what you asked for, John, last I week. You, certainly you were looking did. for more Atticus without a shirt. Uh, you got him without shirt and pants this time. Well, it was a snake, Willie, which I'm, I like <laughs> Letitia. I would be screaming the house uh, down and trying to go for a knife if uh, that was visited upon me, uh, for sure. Um, one thing about the Atticus uh, memory, I think, is what's happening with him because he comes out of the room and says to George, I did bad things in the army. There's something that I did that I need to talk about. And George says, look, don't worry about it. You were a good boy when you were, when you were young. You're a good man now. No matter what you did in the army, that was for, for the government. That was for doing your job in the army effectively. So what it feels like in Attica's case, as opposed to the other two, it feels like he's getting visited by something that actually happened to him. He was attacked yes. and ended off brutally killing the Korean, uh, soldier that he killed. But it is something that actually happened to him, it seems. It seems that it played out the same way. Um, I, I think that's 
quite interesting because we did hear from earlier on when Letty and George are kind of disbelieving what's what Atticus is telling them about what happened in the past. They're saying, oh, you know, people come back from war and they have these uh, things that are going on in their mind that may not actually be happening in real life. This is uh, just post-traumatic stress kind of thing is what they're saying about Atticus. And he's saying, I'm not going through any of that yet. This experience that he has in the house seems to suggest that he has got some post-traumatic syndrome or some kind of syndrome after being in the war. For sure. And I, I think the great thing about George as well is he brings them all together. He's, he's, this is trying to undermine us. It's mm-hmm. trying to undermine you. You know who you are. You're all good people. And he's absolutely fantastic. You can see Letitia really shook up by her experience mm-hmm. and he really kind of gets her to get a grip effectively and i favorite speech in the episode it it is really really nicely done um and like george yeah we'll get there we will we will george is excellent and even to the point that with this whole thing it is that samuel wants to use atticus the reason why he's been brought here the reason why him being an heir to titus braithwaite um you know samuel says it really uh awfully in that yes you have the blood of titus in you even though it may be diluted and tainted it's just really um all for the purpose of a this ceremony that will take place and it's all to try and enter to the the garden of eden to uh, bring back this order that this um the sons of adam and the ancient dawn order is trying to do yes Um, or or to uh, paraphrase atticus to put everything back into its right place uh, which is what seems like the plan from samuel yeah i don't want to sound like we missed the point of the episode definitely it's completely clear in the episode that the clan are one thing that that black people in america at the time are scared of and should be scared of especially in the towns and cities that these three are traveling through um letitia george and, and atticus but what's very clear in this episode is there's also the underlying very rich very white very quiet people that also ha- have it in for black people in america that are absolutely believe that they're a different type of being to these americans these rich white americans as well it's very clear in the episode there's also those types of people it also underlines something there with uh christina who you believed from when we saw in that uh, one scene in the first episode and some of the scenes in this episode you kind of believe that she was on the side of atticus and, and his team it's very clear here she may be not willing to be as bad as samuel but she also doesn't speak up when she has the opportunity to stop something really bad happening, which happens in this episode where Samuel takes out his gun and shoots Letitia and then takes his gun and turns it on George. Christina does nothing and is asked by Atticus to, to step in. She does nothing. It's very clear that these are all things that, that the show is, is conveying about the experience of black people in, in the 50s of America. Absolutely. I, I think Christina is kind of a really interesting character. And I, I think just my final kind of sub moment from this is i i think there's a really nice little moment between christina braithwaite and atticus um it, it's after he has agreed to to uh, willingly take part in this ceremony because they failed in their escape at the bridge yeah. and in order to persuade atticus um samuel has shot letitia and also has shot George. And if he goes through with this, it's on the promise that he will um, bring George, well, he will help George to recover from the gunshot. And we see that Letitia uh, also has been helped. We see her recover fully with no gun, uh, bullet wound or exactly. anything. And um, so 
it's you know that this ma- another magical element here but there's a really nice moment where Atticus is being prepared fully in the buff to uh, for the robes for this ceremony and he's been given a ring by uh, Christina yeah and she again it, it it harks back to this order of things uh, it, it harks back to how prejudice is on so many different levels whether it is um to do with sex sexuality whether it's to do with race culture and body shape whatever it may be and you know she she's there and she she gives him this ring that is worn by um all the men uh in the order it's this almost like an nfl super bowl ring it kind of identifies um them as part of um the order of the ancient dawn and the sons of adam and it has that same symbol that was on all the magic uh, uh sim or yeah. magic experiences what would you call them um, yeah there's kind of like a rune it's almost like a rune yeah. that um glows to have the magic sort of active exactly um, exactly and uh, you know, she gives him this this ring to wear and she says, I can never have one of these no matter how much I try because I was born a woman, whereas you get one for just being born a man. And it's a really interesting thing. And it, it kind of speaks to the complexity of perspective uh, and different viewpoints mm-hmm. in the sense that as a woman, even though she's a white privileged woman, she sees that she can never have one of these. She can never be fully ordained, I suppose, in the Sons of Adam because yeah. she's female. Whereas he is one up in the pecking order of being male, so can be on the basis he was like a monarchy born with Titus Braithwaite's blood. Well, yeah. Um, but he doesn't want it. But he doesn't want it. Yeah. And also, in the scheme of the Sons of Adam, when they're having their meal mm-hmm. to celebrate his arrival and, and the promises that can come from this ceremony, they're all very much disdainful of both him and George. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's these relative positions in this order that was spoken to about by Samuel, in effect, that yeah. are that are created, you know, kind of almost enforced by society through their biases, their prejudices, or their outright isms, whatever that ism may be. Yeah. I, it just is a really interesting conversation because it just speaks to the complexity of of so many of these different things mm-hmm. um and yet you would say in the show as a whole she is in a better position than Atticus definitely, and definitely. she is yeah but in that moment she feels she's not and it, it's just a fascinating look at yeah just the whole complexity of viewpoint and perception I think on I this. think you've heard me say it a million times now, John, because one of my favorite phrases are, my problems are worse than yours because they're my problems. And that's exactly what we have here with Christina. She believes that she's lower in the pecking order because she can't exactly. be a full part of this society when she wants to be. Yes, of course, Atticus would trade everything to just get back in the car with his family and go home. He doesn't yeah. want to be anywhere near this situation. He would give her that ring in a heartbeat Absolutely. if she allowed him and helped him to escape. Yeah, uh, This is wonderful moments in this episode and really strong moments for, for all the characters. But um, kind of leads me on to, I suppose, to the end of the episode. Let's take... Let's take uh, let's take it out into how the, how the, it all resolves, I suppose. So um, Atticus is only being involved in the ceremony because his two, yeah. uh, his really his family members have been shot. So we have uh, Letitia who's been shot and she is uh, saved, but it seems like they're holding over George. 
Um, they're allowing him to bleed out until the uh, the successful completion of this ceremony, and then they'll save him. Um, that's what it seems like to me, anyway. I'm not. I'm not sure. We we don't see him get up and check for the wound or anything like that. But we see Letitia's wound has actually been cured, and she looked like. Well, she was definitely the one that looked looked dead when she was shot. We didn't actually see George getting shot. So, so what was the resolution supposed to be here? You know, if they had attained this uh, bridge to Garden of Eden, brought forth uh, the past and changed the world completely, and then they were going to go upstairs and save George, was that what was going to happen? I couldn't really, I couldn't really understand. If they'd been successful, it seemed like the whole world would have been changed. Is what it felt like. To be honest. I don't really know yeah. what would have happened in opening this portal to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. I'm really quite unsure what was going to happen to either the world in which they lived mm-hmm. or the world on the other side, or whether it was simply just a portal that you could move through and, and between the the two different times and, 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 and spaces. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult yeah. to know. But I think the deal was, I mean, we have Christina saying, whatever you think of my father, he's a man of his words. Mm. You kind of, on the basis of that, take it that he probably would have helped George. The thing is, everything goes south really quickly in this ceremony because whether it's Atticus doesn't know how to control the powers that he has or whether it's the influence then of his relative, Hannah, that he sees through this portal Mm -hmm. and hit his... His relative uh, in a housemaid's uniform, in the lodge, pregnant, and yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, uh, you know, you get the the house and the lodge shaking and shuddering and beginning right. to dismantle. So I need to talk about this bit because this is going to be a lot of speculation. Um, but I need to talk about the ceremony itself. So it seems like there was a lot of thought beforehand that this might work. That by using the blood of Atticus despite the fact that he's a long descendant and not directly part of the family, that this could work is, is what we keep hearing. Um, as the kind of spell is going on and the room is filling up with, with light in the room, it seems like everything's going positively. And then you see the ring affecting what's going on. You see a black smoke coming out of the ring, mixing with the light side, it seems. And yeah, that's- the energy that seemed to be coming... From through Atticus from the, the white orbs yeah. was hitting and you had plants coming into the world and it all yeah. looked fairly Disney. And then, yes, the ring begins to kind of get smoky black around it. Yeah. You, he, Atticus sees Hannah in in, in the, the gateway yeah. and, and then it, it's like whether he can't control it or whether he did, um, it. It, yeah. he did control it which was not what Samuel is, was expecting because yeah. part of me is there kind of thinking, is not Samuel, Christina also have the blood of Titus in them? Uh, and so that they assumed that Ascus probably would die in this moment or be mm-hmm. sacrificed. It was yeah, more maybe. of a sacrifice. Yeah. So, and, and they didn't and want Atticus, to risk it with, with them. So remember, uh, Christina can't be included because Atticus is a son of a son. Yes. Actually, Atticus is a son, son of, of a, sons. Actually, Atticus is a son of a mother who's connected through the ages. So he's, that's why he's slightly separated. We hear that Samuel is a son of a father. So his father's side is connected back through the ages. So that's why, that's why there's a separation there. Christina is a daughter of a son. Yeah. So that's why she's disconnected, but she couldn't be included because she's a daughter. Atticus can be included because he's a son, 
even though it's of a mother. But anyway, my big question, I suppose, my speculation here is that it is the ring that causes the end to this um, to this ritual, killing Samuel, it seems, turning him to dust and uh, putting the the property, the Ardham Lodge, to ruin. And that ring is the ring given to him by Christina. So perhaps Christina is on his side. Perhaps Christina did tamper with this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, could be. Ruining, I hadn't thought of that, the, the whole, uh, the whole uh, plans of her father because she couldn't be allowed in the in the society or because she doesn't believe in what his plans were. Um, just, just wondering because of that moment, you know, it, it, it does seem like the ring is affecting it and the ring came from Christina with that specific speech. So, uh, so that's what it feels like. Was, was she involved possibly? But as you say, he is led out of the building, um, by Hannah, his ancestor. And that's so interesting. It's that, really that scene, cool. You, yeah, you yeah. see it, you see the fire on her side, which is how she would have escaped from the house when the house was originally uh, set on fire and burning to the ground. And she's leading to the front door. And as she's going to the front door, you kind of see the current experience that he's going through of the whole building collapsing behind him as yeah. he goes. It's so good. Really um, well directed. Really yeah, well. really, really like this whole kind of vision of how they did that and connecting him to his ancestor in that mm-hmm. way. I thought that was really beautifully done. Yeah. Um, and in, I, in a violent and destructive way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, speaking of ancestors as well, the interesting thing here is that Montrose, his father, has been found yes. uh, in the village. And, um, you know, when we mentioned about their escape, that was with Montrose in hand, even though he was pretty ungrateful being found, you know, why have you come here? It is a trap kind of thing. Do you get a, a little vibe of uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah, there? exactly. I sent the letter as far away as I possibly could to <laughs> yeah, get to you. Exactly. Why the hell did you bring it back here? Kind yeah. Of thing? yeah. And, and speaking of family and then relatives with effectively Montrose, his brother, George, there's Atticus then, which is uh, Montrose's son, Uncle uh, Uncle George there as well, plus this whole hereditary thing back to Hannah. It, it's really interesting because what we find here is potentially George is Atticus's father. The the it's it's not confirmed, but there is the discussion between him and Montrose where Montrose and, and his brother are kind of catching up, saying, "You know, you used to paint Montrose. Why did you why did you stop that?" And he said, "My father's left hook." And George kind of moves this on saying, you need to give your son love. You get the whole thing of don't tell me how to raise my son. And he goes, well, he could be mine. Um, And they say, we put that argument to rest a long, long time ago. No, he said he might not be yours. Yes. Didn't say he could be mine. So I'm not sure whether George is saying that he could be the father or potentially there is another member of the Braithwaite family that could be his father. But but you're right. There is a question over Montrose being his father, definitely, as to whether it's George or whether it's But there is an implication. There is. It's implied a bit. Yep. Um, given how he reacts to to George, yeah. and I think for me, I like that implication because it fed into me uh, my reaction then to George's uh, having died in yes. the car after Atticus has come out because I thought that scene as well was absolutely phenomenal. I, th- I think Jonathan Majors, who who plays Atticus, I loved how uh, just he emoted that distress. And sadness uh, and bereavement, that initial bereavement there of 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 his uncle George. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was phenomenally good, and I think also realizing in that moment that possibly 
even though he doesn't know it, he could be bereaving his actual father. And again, with this show, who knows? Maybe George isn't really dead. um, Or there is another way that Atticus, like he saw Hannah, Mm -hmm. is able to tap into these different time streams and timelines as well. Yeah, perhaps. And, you know, as as I say, as I said earlier on, it does seem to be putting you off balance the whole way through. That's kind of the overarching part of my point is what the hell happens next this whole episode seemed to be setting up this family of the braithwaites and if i understand rightly uh well we've just lost the the patriarch of that family possibly also lost um his daughter christina in that collapse of their entire yeah. house their entire history collapsing into the ground again you know does this episode end and then next week the team that's left Atticus and Letitia and uh, Montrose do they go around the country now uh, looking into the houses of all of the rest of the uh, of the sons of Adam or the uh, or the group themselves and shutting all of those down now they know they're available George mentions there are places like this all across the country is that you know is it like supernatural now where they run around the country taking out these houses or does it come back next week and actually this didn't collapse. This was part of the ceremony. This is something that was going on in Atticus's mind. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in that next week. Also, now that you say it about possibly George being um, the father of Atticus, was the woman that visited him for his dance, was that his former wife who passed away or was that Atticus's mother? Because we don't know anything about Atticus's mother yet at all. We don't know her name or Montrose's wife, uh, wife at all. We don't know her name. So is it possible that that's who visited George when it they were having their, uh, their dream dance? Yeah, it, it really could be. I think mm-hmm. um, the, there's still a lot to explore here. And I think that's the great thing. Despite whizzing through an episode with so much action that could actually have been a full season yeah. um, in terms of how it could have been drawn out. And yet there's still so much around the Braithwaite family, around the Freeman family uh, and that history or are they going around all the different lodges yeah. or is there still a lot to do here in Ardham County? Um, so it'd be not really, to do in Ardham House. <laughs> well, certainly not, but it'd be <laughs> interesting because if they can do this magic, can they just rebuild the lodge quite mm-hmm. quickly? Are the Braithwaite's really dead? Um, I, I think just quickly as well, in terms of George passing there in the arms of his brother Montrose, um, I thought the the song Rivers that was playing there uh, by Leon Bridges yeah. uh, was just a really great choice. I think the music across this show so far has just been really on point. Uh, I've really enjoyed the the mix of different styles, different eras yeah. being used within um, this uh, this show so far. Absolutely. Was that Mark Lanigan's version of Bad Moon Rising that we had in there as well? That's, that I think so. It certainly really sounded sad. like his voice. Yeah, it really did. So some of the music in this episode, you're right, was really, really good. Um, I think that's it for the majority of the show. We're going a little bit over where we intended to go in time uh, for this episode because so much happened and we kind of set up our idea that we'd be doing like 30 to 45 minutes about these episodes. Uh, And then we saw the episodes and went, oh my gosh, there's so much to cover in here. Uh, But a couple of little kind of touches, I suppose, to kind of take us out of the episode, Some, some kind of references and things that feel like they were inspirational in how this episode was set up. Um, a couple of things I, I noticed, the, it felt like that scene with the dance between George and the lady, possibly his, his former wife, um, 
where the Nat King Cold song playing that really felt like a touch of The Shining in there. That felt like definitely, you know, that, that those moments where you're hearing this music from really old time and this just the setting of the estate that they're effectively in was uh, just felt like the kind of Shining uh, setup. Uh, definitely felt a moment of the Wicker Man when they go and visit the village, and we have yeah. the kids playing with what looks like a wicker a wicker woman. What I noticed with them was they were dancing around with pieces of cloth. So the cloth was almost exactly the same color as the clothes that Letitia was wearing. And because I have that in my head about Wicker Man, I'm kind of going, is this like foreshadowing the fact that she dies later on in the episode? Is this foreshadowing that she is doomed at some point later on in the season? Yeah, well, it, it was that. And also the idea of the maypole dance as well, because yeah. they were kind of dancing around, crossing the ribbons of, of that that cloth. Um, yeah, and also just the village itself was like, uh, you've got Charlemagne's The Village. Would Sorry. that, that classic horror trope, as we mentioned in, in the previous episode, you know, the story of the unwelcome visitor where they are welcomed, but things seem off. You know, as you say, it's the village, uh, looks like time has stood still. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's to the point where, uh, George, uh, and Atticus and Letitia notice that the the stone building is the building that's out of place. Yeah. It, is this the jail? Is this, what is this? This is the place where they go for safety at night mm-hmm. um, because all the other houses are, are, are wattle and daub and thatch roofing and, and just the disconcerting behaviour of being out of time. And then certainly the racist undertones from the lady with her black birth story oh, uh, as well. Yes, you know, not like her very much. It, it, it was, um, yeah, it was really kind of creepy, uh, which I think those kind of stories always are that being out of time uh, for sure. Um, and you do hear that same high pitched whistle from her when she's trying to control her two dogs, mm-hmm. um, which was, sounded the same as the whistle used to control the, the Shoggoths, which we do see being used here by Christina as the Shoggoths do reappear. We also find out that Shoggoths are born from cows. Um, So that's an interesting concept, very alien-like in that sense. You know, the host. Although in this case, it didn't eat its way out of the cow. So it it was a much more normal birth, shall we say. And the cow did seem to survive. It's still very freaky when everybody around the cow is smiling as if it's just giving birth (laughs) to a little calf and you're seeing these these razor sharp teeth coming at the back end there. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was really interesting. You made the reference to, to Ch- M. Night Shyamalan's village. Um, I think that definitely stood there in the town because it feels, even though it's the 1950s, the, the town or the village that's around, uh, the, the lodge feels so much older than that. Feels like everybody there is, is in houses that don't really belong there. Uh, it just feels kind of odd, but, uh, but yeah, I like that. It's, a, it's another, uh, another horror reference that kind of unsettles you throughout the episode. Maybe that's the, that's the reason why it feels like we have so many, um, different things going on in this one hour episode of a show that this, that there's loads of, uh, those unsettling things that are in various movies that we've seen. Yeah, definitely. 
also Montrose's escape is reference to Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. this, you know, escaping his, his, his stone cell, um, and, and digging through. I loved when he came out as well. You know, he's got his hands raised in the air. He's made his escape. He's, he's, he's come to freedom. And you just have Atticus, Letitia and George come over going, hi Montrose. Right. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get out of here. And it looks like it took him weeks. Like yeah, <laughs> he broke through the stones in the wall and then dug his way all the way out, uh, underneath the field there as well. You know, um, I think that's also a reference to the roots, or um, I think we saw it in Django Unchained as well. The 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 clasped hands coming out with uh, shackles on yeah. them from from underground. You know, I think we've probably seen that in, in many films about uh, about escapees during um, during the slavery times as well. Definitely seen that as an image that's used there. So uh, so it was a really evocative image. But you're right, the kind of tension undercut with with everybody arriving and uh, with Natisha going, "Let's just get out of here, get in the car. I don't care whether you wanted us here or not. We're here. Let's go." Kind of thing. Uh, really interesting. Um, anything else about the episode that we want to cover uh, before we close it off? John? No, not from my side. Okay. Well, overall, then, what did you think of the episode, John? For me, another really great episode. Um, I, I would give this four and a half pieces of liver with a nice Chianti out of five. Um, I think, and in reference to that, I love the way Asuka says, don't eat that, don't George. Eat that. Yeah. Um, and I'll have the Chianti. Don't yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, it was really good. I, I thought there were some really interesting moments in this. I, I loved just that. Brief conversation between Christina and Atticus with over the ring. I thought that was just, again, it's just that nice depth to the, the episode and to the series so far. I think the, the whole Atticus and the destruction of the lodge and being brought out that connection to his ancestor, Hannah, seeing that done the way it was done with the fire for Hannah and the collapsing building behind Atticus was just so good george's death was really emotional and um, you know for a character if he is dead and yep. uh, for a character after two episodes wow what a character he was i loved him he felt like the heart and soul of this trio and um, you know the the man who read the books the thinking man the man who would take people out of their despair or uh, worry or, or doubt mm. and say, you know who you are, man full of confidence uh, in himself, yet also um, a party to anxiety and misdeeds. Yeah. Uh, just really great, great character. Um, and I'm really that. hoping uh, Ascus can use whatever that power he seems to have running through him to open up the portal to the Garden of Eden so that he can maybe uh, bring George back to life yeah. and heal his wounds like Samuel had done with Letitia. Um, So, but just so much going on, but all of it really meaningful, absolutely at the right pace. Despite feeling like I'd gone on a whirlwind, it all made sense. And I just can't wait to see where we go next. So absolutely uh, another great episode. Uh, And yeah, four and a half livers and a nice Chianti out of five from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, you do wonder how much strength the character George must have had. Remember, he's the one that wrote this book, giving the guide to getting around America safely for black people in the 40s and 50s. You know, how much strength must you have to visit all the places that you, that you don't feel safe, that you don't put on the list so that you can tick them off the list, I suppose. Like he must have put himself into so many scary situations in his life to get himself to be able to do this book or pamphlet that's able to, to able to guide people to, to safe living and safe travel across America. Um, 
yes, a really sad loss, but you're right. You know, the fact that we lost Letty early on in the episode, she's so strong, such a powerful character. And I definitely, I was going, I couldn't believe that you would take this character away two episodes in. And then they bring her back and get rid of the bullet wound and save her later on in the episode. And then maybe because they did that is the reason why we're both questioning, is George dead? Will he be back next episode? But their mission so far for these two episodes was to get um, Atticus's father and bring him back uh, with them, get Montrose and, and include him in the team. And now they've got Montrose, they've lost George. So, you know, is is it just going to continue with Montrose being at loggerheads with Atticus and with Letty uh, as they go on the next trips? You know, I really have no idea what to expect next week, but I am hoping for a last minute save for George, but a really, really good episode uh, this week. So much to talk about. Definitely. So if you want to talk to us about anything that you've seen in the episode, anything we didn't talk about or anything you want to talk about, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. We have spoiler posts up there for each episode of the season, and you can just leave your thoughts in there. Or as I say, you can email us or you can email us a voicemail of your thoughts on any of the episodes so far. We have a voicemail in from our good friend Steve Brenn about his thoughts on the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Hey, John and Derek, this is Steve. Uh, this is for uh, Lovecraft Country. Uh, episode one was crazy, man. I loved it. I really did. I'm all in on this series. I, I was a little hesitant when it started with the kind of real kind of hokey kind of special effects. And I was like, wait a minute. This has got to be a dream somebody's having. And then, of course, it was. It was him dreaming he's, uh, you know, himself in the John Carter series. So uh, that was great. And then at, at the end, you know, I don't know H.P. Lovecraft. I've not read his stuff. So I don't know the exact monsters that we're dealing with here and stuff. Uh, but uh, that was really cool to see those monsters. And especially, it just, I'm really... <sighs> I'm hesitant to say anything about the whole racism situation because I'm a middle-aged white man, uh, but I, I I think they're doing a very good portrayal of of what was going on in that day, and it makes me feel bad for this country. Country, it makes me feel bad. Um, that in some respects, this country has not gotten better either. So uh, anyway, I loved the ending. I can't wait to see where we go from here. And if you guys are going to cover this every week, I'm with you because uh, I'm in. Excellent. Thank you so much, Steve. A very happy 50th birthday to Steve Brown. Yes, absolutely. I know he's been celebrating all month uh, for his birthday as well. So uh, glad we can be part of that uh, with bringing you through um, Lovecraft Country. So uh, cheers, Steve. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve, for the feedback. It's really good to to hear you. And to be honest, uh, I... Not that you were having the odd tipple there for for Lovecraft Country, um, but certainly I needed uh, a few uh, stiff drinks, mm-hmm. uh, certainly to get me through that Shoggoth bit uh, as well, as right. well as some of the horrific stuff in Sundown con- Counties. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a really great show, as you say, and yeah. I think um, I, 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 you know, H.P. Lovecraft. It's more not that I've read 
specific books and maybe one or two but it it's the overarching sort of influence from his pulp fiction yeah uh, but particularly the cthulhu mythos um that is, is so dominated and um, through um i suppose horror genres but even wider than that i mean yeah. even say something like stranger things that beast in the upside down world yeah, definitely it it's it's coming from cthulhu definitely inspired by cthulhu yeah cthulhu would be you know multi-armed uh massive teeth huge mouth beast that comes to take over the entire planet that's kind of the size level you're talking about you know so uh so even that little one that's in the dream in the first episode looks like a small version of Cthulhu to what's in my mind. But uh, thanks so much, Steve, for your thoughts. Looking forward to hearing more of them as the season goes on. Uh, send them in every week and we'll play them on the, the next episode that we're recording. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Uh, and thank you so much, fellow Dreadfuls, for joining us. Uh, we hope you um, stay subscribed to the podcast. Uh, and if you enjoy what you hear, of course, why not share it with your friends? Sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really like to get your feedback and support. Uh, so please, you know, rate us, uh, subscribe, uh, leave a review. That is great. And of course, we will be back next week with Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 3, Spectacles, Testicles, Wallet and Watch. <laughs> no, sorry, The Holy Ghost. There you go, John. There you go. Uh, yes, thanks so much. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting back to Lovecraft Country next week and entering the darkness once again. Uh, on our main feed over in TV Podcast Industries, we'll be wrapping up Umbrella Academy Season 2, and we'll be getting ready for The Boys Season 2 coming up uh, at the start of September. So loads and loads of stuff to join us for. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Dreadfuls. As always, it is a pleasure speaking with you. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and as those shoggoths appear in the woodlands, keep, keep screaming. screaming. Bye. Bye. <laughs>